Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Happy Monday. Hello, hello, hello. Getting into the week feeling good. This is Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan, where we catch you up on the news of the day and so much more. Plus music in between because you're on Channel Q. That's how it works. Oh my God. I guess, you know, I'm just looking at my beautiful nails and um, thinking like, why I haven't gotten a mani pedicure before. You were broken into. No, you had got. I was broken into. <laughs> you broken into your. You've never been to nail salon, okay. so you got a uh... very sex club vibes. <laughs> I was just rammed into. <laughs> they uh, popped your nail salon cherry. Yes. Oh my god! Producer Vanessa took me uh, to my first mani pedi. We had a girls' weekend. She uh, um, had other things to do. She didn't want to come. Um, That's not fair. She doesn't really like to hang out with us. So <laughs> not that I don't do it every single day. If you think we're a cozy, happy family, guess what? We're not. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> no, but it was really, really fun. The most embarrassing thing, though. Mm. I was just, one, I was the only guy there, which no big deal, because um, that feels like that's pretty normal. But then two, I knew they were going to talk about, like, about my nails and my toes. Why? Which I think I have beautiful feet. It's just I've never gotten my feet done. Okay, yeah. And so the lady doing my nails just kept talking about my cuticles and talking about how much skin there was. It was just, it was absolutely kind of one of those things where I was like, you know, one, there should be a guide on what, how to, like, go to your first time nail salon. Mm. And then two... They need to do some type of empathy, like uh, leadership <laughs> training, class, training because those women are ruthless. It makes you, honestly, I think it's a tactic to, if you shame the customers enough, they'll keep coming back because they don't want to feel that shamed again, and then they'll stop biting their nails. I'm trying to, the reason why I did it was because I don't want to bite my nails anymore. Mm-hmm. But really, I think now I'm only doing it because I don't want to be shamed. Continuing a toxic relationship. I Another don't want one. to be shamed. Right? Exactly. I mean, I'm surprised because I do bite my nails, as you all know. And uh, 
they always actually make me feel okay. I'll go to them. I do the reverse thing, Ryan. I go, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. My nails are horrible. I don't even know. If- I did that. I, that oh, you was did? my whole entire And then usually for body. me, they go, oh no, miss, we'll make you make them, we'll like make them really nice for you. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I did that. I actually was joking around and and being like, "Oh my God, have you seen worse feet?" One, and she's like, "No, she, no, no, I she have was not. she was quiet. She was quiet." <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, well, I know my feet aren't that bad. Everyone is looking at my feet and they see my feet. My feet are not bad. I will even post my feet on our channel. Do it, LGT show, because I will say." They look pretty bomb. She did a great job. My nails look good. I haven't bit them yet. So I think I'm moving past this. We'll see. I did spend way too much money. That's this the weekend. problem. It adds up, and then yeah. you're like, I'll bite my nails. Yeah, I honestly. will bite them. You'll end up biting them. I'm going to eat all the skin. You'll end up biting them because you have no more money in your bank accounts. Oh, my God. Well, uh, coming up on the show today, the debate over vaccine passports and how to make sure they don't create a caste system. We're going to be talking about that. Plus, the new law that is transferring hundreds of transgender women to new prisons. We've got the lawyer who who worked on that bill joining us at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. So important, and I'm really excited to talk to this person. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Arkansas Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson vetoed an anti-transgender health care bill that would have prohibited physicians in the state from providing gender-affirming procedures for trans people under the age of 18. Here he is talking about why he made that decision. Which one is All right, the governor, right? Yeah. If House Bill 1570 becomes law, then we are creating new standards of legislative interference with physicians and parents as they deal with some of the most complex and sensitive matters involving young people. It is undisputed that the population of minors who struggle with gender incongruity or gender dysphoria is an extreme minority. But while they are a minority, they deserve the guiding hand of their parents and of the healthcare professionals that their family has chosen. So I'm happy you didn't sign this bill. However, still re- referring to transgender people as gender dysphoria. So big issue there still, but at least that is not being pushed through, which is really good. And hopefully that, um, you know, is a precedent for other states. And finally, just a little celebration. More than 4 million people in the U.S. received a coronavirus vaccine on Saturday. It's the nation's highest one-day total since the shots began rolling out in December. So good on everyone for taking those vaccines. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Mariah Carey, speaking of vaccines, is showing us how a real queen gets her COVID vaccine shot. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Mariah Carey documented the moment she received her first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, wrapping Saturday's session with one of her iconic high notes. Um, here is this moment. Filming, that's the problem. I'm going to like my filming. Okay. Just relax, Yeah. All right, well. <laughs> okay. Actually, the funny thing about this video, it did fuel some conspiracy theories because a lot of people, I guess, didn't know how needles worked. And they were like, wait, why don't I see the needle coming out of her arm? And if you know anything about getting shots, 
the needle retracts back into the thing. And, and then also she didn't bleed either. So people were like freaking out. You know out. what? It was like so stupid. I kind of know, but don't know that because I never look at it when it happens. Oh, see, I, I always look. I always ask. You do? Yeah, I always ask. Can I see? Like, I watch. I literally, watch? every shot I've done, I watch. I should watch. Yeah, I like to watch because I want to know, especially with my second vaccine. The first vaccine I didn't because I forgot. But the second vaccine, I'm literally watching. I'm like, can you show me? And then I want to watch her do it because I want to see how long the needle is. Anyway, um, in addition to Mariah, of course, Steve Martin, Al Roker, and Dolly Parton are among the celebrities who have detailed their COVID-19 vaccine experiences with fans. Last month, I think this might be my favorite, Amy Schumer put on her fanciest dress, a gold sequins long sleeve mini, to receive her shot. So this is a celebration, and that is your tea report I got more coming up next hour. Love it. Okay, coming up, why Republican leaders are trying to ban vaccine passports. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has banned agencies and businesses from requiring vaccine passports. He issued an executive order Friday that requiring proof of vaccination would reduce individual freedom and harm patient privacy, as well as create two classes of citizens based on vaccination. Back with us is infectious diseases expert Dr. Michael Sag. Thanks for jumping in on this today. Sure. Happy to be back with you. So the Biden administration has clearly said that they're not requiring vaccine passports. So why would DeSantis feel the need to issue this? It's almost like he's creating this is another issue between Democrats and Republicans. Well, I don't know why he's doing it. Um, I think the concept is, uh, from a biologic perspective, is the people who have been vaccinated have low risk of becoming infected in the first place. And even if they do, there's also a low risk of transmission. And so it does make some sense that when people start to re-congregate with one another, that the ideal is for everybody in the general area to all be vaccinated. If there's somebody who's not vaccinated in that group, they're at risk for picking up infection, but they're also at risk for bringing infection to the other folks who have been vaccinated. And every now and then we see a case of somebody who's been vaccinated who picked up COVID. So I think the governor probably is out in front on this a little bit too far. I don't think anybody's going to require passports for, for as a general rule, although I could imagine that for certain events and certain individual groups, say like churches and that type of thing, they may require that. So that's up to the individual establishment to make that decision. Do you think... And I actually, I, I wonder, are vaccine like kind of passports the first time we've ever thought about something like that? Even like the vaccine cards. Have we ever seen that pop up in, in other cases of needing vaccines before? Well, I think we can all remember going to elementary school and requiring certain uh, vaccines that have been given. That's especially important for measles, which is, is very infectious. And we've gotten rid of measles, except in situations where parents refuse to have their kids vaccinated. We may be headed to that for schools and that type of thing, but it's a little bit too soon to make a decree about what will happen. And I don't think Rutgers University, I think, is the only school that I'm aware of that's requiring um, students to get vaccinated for reentry into um, uh, back on campus. And that may not be a full decision, but um, it's hard to it's hard to make that requirement while the vaccines are still under the early use authorization. That's the EUA. Uh, once the vaccines get fully approved, which could be soon, then I think we can start hearing about that. But it's going to be individual decisions. I can't imagine blanket requirements um, across the board from the federal government. But I could see 
like I said earlier, that individuals or individual entities or establishments may require it for entry. Yeah, definitely. And when we travel, we have to get vaccines around different things that those countries are dealing with. Uh, but how can That's we can right. yeah, how can we confront that issue of vaccine passports creating a caste system and continuing inequities? Because I, I do think that could be an issue uh, where if someone doesn't have the access or money to do certain things, even though it's free, but you know what I mean? They're not in a space to do it. But then if an employer requires it, it could start creating those inequities. Yes, it could. And I've been impressed so far with what, A, the ramp-up has been for vaccination. I think we're going to have a record 4 million people getting vaccinated a day from now on, which is just phenomenal. And they're also opening it up now for vaccinations to people in a lot of states, regardless of their age, as long as they're over the age of 16. So that's an exciting development since the last time we talked. And then I guess finally, the, the people who are having trouble getting access the government has is establishing something equivalent to the Peace Corps, except they're going to call it Vaccine Corps. And those folks will be charged with going out into communities, finding people who are unable to get to local vaccination centers and give them their vaccines at home. And I think that's going to be an exciting opportunity to reach the disenfranchised populations and get them uh, vaccinated. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much again for joining us. That was Dr. Michael Sag, infectious diseases expert. Have a great day. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Now coming up on the show, are you eligible to receive Biden's new student debt relief? Those answers next. The Education Department is stopping interest in debt collection on about 1.14 million defaulted loans in the Federal Family Education Loan program. Okay, what does this all mean? Does it impact you? Seth Frotman joins us, Executive Director at the Student Borrower Protection Center. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So what led to this latest announcement? Because it seems like it was also because the federal government wasn't doing enough. That's exactly right. So uh, a little more than a year ago, um, Washington stepped in and for tens of millions of people actually paused their federal student loan payments, meaning uh, folks didn't have to make a student loan payment. They wouldn't see their interest accrue. Um, But critically, there were millions and millions of people left out of this distinction. People with older loans made by banks and other financial institutions got no help at all for over a year. Um, And then just um, last week, uh, we saw the Biden administration take a small step forward to allow that protection for some of these fell borrowers, but really importantly, not all of them. Yeah. So can you uh, establish that distinction? Because it is a certain type of loan uh, for any of our listeners listening. Yeah, so absolutely. And this is um, this is super confusing. And I'm the first to recognize this is that for most of the lifetime of the student loan program, um, the federal government wasn't making loans. You would see like big banks and even states make loans, and the federal government would just guarantee these. These were called sell loans. And then during the Great Recession, while the whole financial system seized up and, uh, you know, Wall Street um, was in crisis, the federal government actually bought uh, hundreds of billions of dollars of these old loans and then scrapped the program entirely and said, let's just make loans directly from the federal government. And for 
most people now, they have one of these direct loans who have gotten the payment pause. But for, you know, older borrowers, they might still have one of these fell loans that was made by a bank and never bought by the federal government. Okay. Trying to keep up. I don't with understand all of anything this. he just said. I kind said. of like, I, yeah, I kind of didn't. <laughs> if I'm being quite you, honest. Yeah, can you, what does that mean? Like, who qualifies then? So we've been going to the yeah. government for it versus uh, someone else, another organization. Is that it? Yeah, so no, they, I, I completely understand that this is super confusing, right? And um, the distinctions are really entirely arbitrary that, you know, there is, you know, really no reason if you take out a debt why you would get one from the government or why you would get one from a bank. And these arbitrary distinctions have really, really harmed borrowers during the pandemic because borrowers who've had a loan held by the government are getting help. And borrowers who don't have a loan held by the government have really gotten very little to no help at all. And really, the only thing that borrowers can do is reach out to their student loan company and ask them, hey, do I qualify for this assistance or not? Okay, that there's ding, ding, ding. That's the key, because I'm thinking, all right, so if if someone has a a Sally Mae or an even more private loan or whatever, it's just like you need to call that company and be like, okay, I saw this. Does this make sense for me? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that's why this is so hard, because none of this is based on what borrowers did, if they did the right thing or not. This is literally either like who your school's lender was or if the federal government bailed out your bank during the last crisis. And that's why I think people are rightfully outraged, which is the people who've gotten help versus those who've gotten nothing is really just based on these entirely arbitrary lines for borrowers. And they have real repercussions. You know, if a borrower has stuck with one of these older fell loans, you know, you've paid maybe more than $5,000, whereas if someone had a loan from the government, they've had to pay nothing over the last year. So as we wrap up, Seth, 30 seconds, like what do people do if you're either stuck in a good situation or bad situation? If you are stuck in that bad situation, what do you do? So I think one is make sure you call your student loan company and say, you know, one, I want to figure out if I'm covered or not. And if they tell you you're not, is demand to know what type of benefits, what type of protections they're offering you. Because we have seen some lenders step in and kind of offer some workout plans, but we also see how they're often like broken promises and dropping the ball. And if that's happening to you, make sure you file a complaint with your state attorney general or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, because these are millions of borrowers who need help. And just the very last thing is, you know, pick up the phone, call the administration, call your member of Congress. If you've been one of these five million people left out and demand how unfair this is and demand that the Department of of Education take the actions they can to really help you. Okay, Seth Rotman is the executive director at the Student Borrower Protection Center. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Coming up, you know, guess what? News is out that Facebook leaked your data and didn't even tell you what that actually means next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Facebook is doing bad things again. We all know that they've leaked our data in the past, but now there's news that there was this massive data set that included personal information of 533 million global Facebook users. 
It was leaked and is actually circulating online. It includes phone numbers, email addresses, physical addresses, account creation dates, relationship status, and more. And it was being freely traded in hacker forums over the weekend. So some of our information... Those hackers of the weekend, that's what they were doing while you were maybe having happy hours and brunches or doing your nails like Ryan. They were yes. trading our personal information. I'm sorry. Sorry. What was going on? It was a computer thing. Sorry. I wasn't, I don't, I <laughs> Ryan, she, Ryan like, acted paused, like he was like was, a witch, like he was making a spell. Well, because it was like something was, and things had, yeah, Okay. I wasn't was sure if there was the a, sorry, and, I wasn't sure if there was a, a sound like no, uh, effect there that you were coming It was behind the scenes, but no, this is honestly the least shocking thing for me um, because I, Facebook has constantly been doing this, right? Yeah. And, um, I'm so sorry, We've got the Mondays. No, it's just so much is happening. And so, Vanessa came over here, turned off the music. Um, no, but basically, this is not shocking for Facebook to be doing this. I feel like all of you, if you are still on that website, that social media platform, you have no privacy. You, I don't, you know, there's yeah, no Yeah, you such kind of thing. need to just accept it, which yeah. is sad because then we've really lowered our bar in terms of holding those platforms accountable. It's too late at this point. When things yeah. have already happened, what what can you hold accountable at that point? Because they've gotten away with it and they're going to continue to get away with it unless something majorly is done, but it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Unless we boycott, which people have boycotted, but yet still they are the largest platform ever. Because there's a lot of old people in the world. And that's who's on Facebook now. Yeah, and a Seriously, lot, uh, not, a lot of kids uh, are not on there. Also, advertisers, they make it easy to spend money. For old people. Because what <laughs> well, else are they spending it on? Instagram is young. Yeah, but Instagram is already losing a lot of people because guess what? You're turning off millennials and Gen Zers and trying to turn into this like Shopify thing. And it's like making people not want to be on the app anymore. So here's the thing. This number, you know, when you hear uh, 533 million, you get a sense. That's a big number. But to give you more of a sense of that, it would be the third most populous uh, country in the world behind China and India. That's how many people on Facebook were breached. So that number. Oh wow, that is so many people. Like this is this. That's so scary, and it's kind of like. I mean, I somehow, in some weird way, feel comforted if I was one of those people, because at least it's not just me, right? It's like, <laughs> we're oh, in this together. yeah, we're all in this together. If we all get hacked and our social security get, <laughs> number gets out there, at least it's me and 45.5 billion other people. <laughs> uh, yeah, at this point, I'm not surprised if my stuff is in other places, right? Uh, and, you know, they're downplaying the entire thing. They said it's from 2019 and is be- therefore old. Not thinking or assuming that a lot of people have the same information. Yeah, they don't change. Who changes? I can barely. First of all, if my MacBook did not keep a chart, you know, account of all of my passwords, I would never remember a damn. I know thing. it's so really I'm sad. Honestly, th- there's no way I'm changing anything. So Facebook has it. So if you want to find out if your password or things like that have been taken and hacked, there's actually a website. I only found out about this this year because of my boyfriend, but now it's in these articles too. So I'm going to share it with you because it's helpful. Have I been pwned.com pwned? <laughs> have I been pwned.com check it out add it to your it's addresses a long URL. I mean yeah I know and it's not really a good one considering how many people need to use it and you'll find out if your password's been taken you need to change your password ASAP will that stop you from using Facebook let us know on social
at LGT Show. Coming up on the show, the study that reveals how many Black and Latinx trans youth experience depression. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, the tricks websites use to make you say yes. They are just bad. I mean, you know, I I do think the internet's one big scam um, because it just always is constantly taking my money because it's always just knowing exactly what I need at that time or maybe overhearing me you know oh yeah you you know when that happens you talk about a vacation you haven't even googled it yet and yet it just pops up in your social media feed how interesting isn't it is that what we're talking about there's a rhyme to the reason one of the things <laughs> plus California prisons are beginning to move hundreds of transgender women requesting transfer under a new law we've got the lawyer behind that bill joining us in 30 minutes but right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Minneapolis Police Chief Medaria Arredondo says Derek Chauvin's position on George Floyd is not reasonable use of force. That action um, is not de-escalation. And when we talk about uh, the framework of our sanctity of life and when we talk about the principles and values that we have, that that action um, goes contrary to uh, to what we're taught. Of course, we are in the second week of the Derek Chauvin trial in the murder or for the murder of George Floyd, and we'll be continuing to cover that throughout the week. Now, researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, sought out to compare mental health symptoms and psychosocial risk factors among three particular groups, black and Latinx trans youth, white trans youth, and black and Latinx cisgender youth. The data estimates, and this is the results, that 50% of black and Latinx transgender youth experience symptoms of depression and 46% of experienced suicidal thoughts. Those numbers were similar to white transgender youth, according to researchers. The two groups also had similar levels of victimization and caring adult relationships, but lower levels of school connectedness. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so speaking of the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, Cher is in hot water for a couple of her tweets about George Floyd. Uh, It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Sharis is saying she is truly sorry after claiming she could have prevented George Floyd's death and was accused of having a white savior complex. Here's what the tweet said. So, she said, was talking with my mom and she and she said, I watched trial of police who killed George Floyd and cried. And Sharis response was, mom, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I kept thinking maybe if I'd been there, I could have helped. <laughs> What in the heck is that? Uh, Many people online accused her of white privilege and being tone deaf. One person said, the size of your white savior complex is overwhelming. Um, But the singer doubled down on her tweet Saturday, insisting that she had the experience to intervene in the fatal police encounter. Um, She did, however, apologize, saying, I know people apologize when they're in a jam, but hand to God, I'm truly sorry if I upset anyone in the black community. I know my heart. Did she, what? What? 
what is Cher doing? <laughs> That's, I don't even know what to talk. Like, what? I mean, yeah, if any of us were there now in hindsight, I'd be like, yeah, I would love no! to stop something. That was ho- That's horrible that happened. If you heard me on the morning beat, I filled in for uh, AJ Gibson, mm-hmm. um, and we talked a little bit about this. And let's be honest. I don't think Cher could point out Minneapolis on a map. Especially, she would never be in that neighborhood. And then this idea of her saying, like, oh, I can, I, I could have somehow, you know, helped the situation. No, you couldn't have because there were people there doing whatever they could have to try to get that man to be alive still. And nothing happened. It's still the same outcome still happened. So what would Cher have done? Was she, I mean. Celebrity status would have uh, maybe distracted Derek Chauvin. Maybe she could have turned back time. Did you use that earlier? No, I didn't. That was just that like was right off the dome. <laughs> you should tweet that to her. That was just, that was right off the dome that was, in that moment. That was, yes, award winning. <laughs> that is your team report. I got more coming up later in the show. OMG. <laughs> Uh, Now we're going to the dark side of the internet. We've already talked about Facebook, but we're going to be talking about the tricks websites use to make you say yes. And can you do differently? We're going to be getting into the psychology behind it all next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Dark patterns are a trick that websites use to get your info and agree to do certain things. But there's a movement to ban all of these dark patterns. What does this even mean? We're going to be explaining it right now. We've got Sarah Morrison, who covers personal data and privacy at Rico, joining us. Thanks for being here. Uh, Hi, how you doing? Well, you know, we're good, but this is very worrisome. Uh, Can you explain what dark patterns are and how they trick us? So dark patterns are when, you know, websites use certain, like, design tricks or wording to sort of manipulate you or just coerce you into making the choices they want you to make. So I think people would most recognize it as, you know, there's like a newsletter sign up in the box to, you know, do it already checked off or, uh, you know, I, the example I use in the articles, Instagram saying, do you want better ads experience and personalization or no? And like, they want you to have the personalization. You probably, if you knew what they were asking, you know, kind of wouldn't. So, yeah, I always wonder what the balance is, because like I I know, like when I was working as a social media manager a while back, like you're always trying to find creative ways of getting more of your audience engaged and and involved. And so this feels like it could be looked at as that. But I know advocates are saying like, "Um, no, this feels like a breach in some way. So what's the balance there? Sure. Yeah. And and there is a line because businesses are allowed to promote products like and try to convince people to buy them. That's sort of what what they do. So I think, you know, lawmakers and regulators are still trying to figure out that line. But, you know, there's some that are kind of obviously deliberately deceptive and make it very difficult to uh, opt out of things or like unsubscribe or, you know, the wording is like very confusing. And so those are pretty blatant. Um, I think there was an article in the New York Times the other day about how the Trump campaign, you know, made like the boxes to, you know, uncheck repeated donations very small and the wording was very confusing and people ended up doing several donations when they didn't even know they had done that. So those kinds of things are, you know, more obvious, but, you know, asking you to, you know, subscribe to a newsletter and, you know, that's that some of those seem like things that are, you know, okay. So I think, 
you know, when, when they look at, I guess, you know, regulation, I think some of the things I've seen proposed are like, you have to make it as easy and as transparent to like make one choice as the other. Like that seems like a way that could kind of, you know, that would be fair to both the customer and the business, right? Yeah, but it, it's always, it seems more simple than it is because I feel like it would create a loophole. Yeah. They always find loopholes. Do, how do sure. cookies have to do with it? Because, and by the way, using that word for something what type that... Of cookies? Yeah, like it makes it seem like it's good. Like you think, oh, I get a cookie. But it's actually, <laughs> what are cookies and what does that do when you accept it or don't? I guess I once said uh, web cookies are like the oatmeal raisin of cookies. The, oh. the ones that you saw you wanted, but you actually don't. I, I mean, unless you like oatmeal raisin. Which no, I hate oatmeal raisin. Like <laughs> they are off. Anyway. They are off. But they're, uh, basically cookies are like little pieces of code that like websites kind of put on your, on your browser so that they can track where you go or see where you come back and sort of build a profile of like where you go around the Internet to sell, you know, target ads to you. So they're sort of invasive. Uh, I think most people would rather not have them. Uh, there's been some like laws, you know, in Europe that says that, you know, websites now have to tell you that they have cookies and you have to give them permission to put them on. And so that's where we see uh, a lot of websites sort of get very creative with, with their language and sort of to opt out, you have to like press opt out and go through like a series, like a menu of like switches and things like that. Whereas the opt in, you know, is, pretty easy and it's just like right there and it's you know so that that's where cookies come into it it makes they're just a good example that i think a lot of people see anytime you go to like a lot of european websites especially where it's very apparent that they're wanting to make a certain choice they made it very easy to make that one and very difficult and complicated to make the other one right so how are laws and regulations like stopping this i know because we're from coast to coast here at channel q so if you live in california listen up because i know there's already something in place but what are we seeing kind of across the country that's happening to stop this well california um i believe just recently has put in regulations that you you can't use dark patterns which obviously that's a lot of you know (laughs) they have to sort of figure out what that means and where the loopholes are uh, in Washington State in their privacy legislation, which hasn't passed yet, but it's, you know, working its way through, said if you use dark patterns to obtain consent, that consent doesn't, you know, count. Uh, and I know the FTC, which is, you know, federal, they're taking a big, you know, a look at them. They have like a workshop at the end of this month to sort of look at what they are, ways to stop them, ways to regulate them. Their ability here is kind of restricted because the FTC is about, like, deceptive business practices. And, you know, as you said, there's a big gray area between a deceptive, you know, egregious, uh, like, lying to a customer and taking their money and, you know, gently prodding them. So what do do we do about this? Do we just give it, uh, we just accept it or just knowledge is power? Knowledge is great. Being very careful when you read things is, is great, you know. It really so just, just read. It, yeah, you have to read, and like, and nobody wants to do that, right? Like, you go to the internet to not read. <laughs> you, yeah. you you don't you go you click through sites, you know, quickly. You try to get these ads that pop up on your apps, and you just want them to go away, and you sort of pass through, and that's that's what they exploit. That's what people do. So, you know, hopefully there'll be more regulations that kind of tighten things up and give the FTC more sort yeah. of authority here. And until then, they'll try to figure out a way to do it on their own and. And again, customer, just uh, buyer beware yeah. and beware that you're buying something at all. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. That was Sarah Morrison from Recode. Have a good one and be careful out there on the Internet. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good one.
Coming up on the show, California prisons have begun moving hundreds of transgender women requesting transfer under a new law, and a lawyer behind the bill joins us to share more next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Just over 1% of California's prison population have identified as non-binary, intersex, or transgender, according to the Corrections Department. Populations that experience excessive violence in prison, though, um, are that community. And a 2007 USC Irvine study found that transgender inmates experience sexual assault at rates 13 times higher than others. Now, hundreds of those inmates are being transferred to new prisons because of a new law. And Jen Orthwine joins joins us, uh, an attorney who worked on the bill. How... So thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. So how long has this taken to make happen? Uh, Because it seems like something that needed to happen a long time ago. Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, it's been building for probably the last 10 years since, um, and perhaps even before that, um, there was a lot of research done by the, uh, by California prisons and the federal Bureau of Prisons around the dangers to trans people in prison. Um, and like you, you noted the study in the beginning, um, that was done back in 2008. So, um, and that was as a result of the Prison Rape Elimination Act um, that research was collected. And then there were rules, federal rules put into place in about 2013. Um, but uh, California has been really slow to um, um, implement any rules in our state um, that would be consistent with housing people based on their health and safety, um, particularly transgender people. Yeah, and it seems like um, even if trans people, ha- obviously this there's a this LA Times piece that we're getting all this information from, it really right. details a lot of the experiences of what, you know, trans folks are going through, especially when it comes to misinformation. Is there any, you know, protection for, you know, them going into these places that could be really hostile and there's tension between the the other inmates and then also the guards who are supposed to be there to protect them? Right. So, I mean, there are a ton of obstacles to accountability when it comes to CDCR and and they're implementing their own policies and procedures as well as what are federal laws um, in regards to uh, the conditions in prison, like the Eighth Amendment, which forbids cruel and unusual punishment. Um, So the barriers to get to the courts are difficult for people who are incarcerated. Um, There's laws like the Prison Litigation Reform Act that requires them to exhaust all their administrative remedies internally before they can file a suit in in federal court. Um, And so a lot of the people who are asking to transfer are being told to wait to file their grievances um, so that the the state can start moving people under this new law um, or they're being told that their grievances are not applicable to this law um, while CDCR tries to implement it. So at this point, um, no one has been able to exhaust to even be able to file a civil suit. Um, So, but that would be the normal accountability measures uh, in place. And it seems that CDCR is trying to get this implemented without um, that in place for this particular issue at the moment. Will other states follow suit? You know, uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut have similar laws that allow for people to be housed uh, consistent with their gender identity. I think those, um, they're on a case-by-case basis. I think California um, acknowledges that intersex and non-binary people also exist and that the current prison system doesn't acknowledge or recognize 
their genders. Um, and so this law tries to, to incorporate um, their experiences and identities into the law um, without expanding the prison system to create more institutions for people of different genders. Definitely. Well, thank you for your work. And this is obviously a big deal. So we look forward to seeing where it goes. So thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Again, Jen Orthwine is an attorney who represents transgender inmates and worked on this bill and is a partner at Medina Orthwine. Coming up on the show, should middle seats on flights be eliminated for good? What airlines are doing to continue social distancing? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As flights are continuing and more people are flying, which is great, you know, uh, more people are getting the vaccine, at least the first one. Now these airlines, you know, who had allowed you to uh, or didn't allow you to take the middle seats. Right. I love that, by the way. I loved blocking the middle seats. It was the best. Now they are no longer doing that. They're opening up middle seats, most of the airlines, because more people are flying. And you know what? They want that money that they lost. And are you okay with that? Or should middle seats be banned forever? You know, there was a million people who had uh, who uh, flied out of LAX um, on the or third. Flew. Or flew. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Uh, flew out of LAX on the, on the third. Literally mm-hmm. so many people. I mean, the world's back to normal. But, um... So you're telling me, back to the middle seat conversation. Yeah. You're telling me that someone can sit next to me now. Pretty much. Unless you're lucky and not as many people are booked on that flight. Otherwise, you are elbow to elbow. That's awful. The middle seat should go away. Or at least, yeah, I mean, my thing is, I know they, but didn't they like start opening up the middle seat like even earlier i thought plane like some air flights were still doing that like they were still keeping the middle seat if around. you're in first class or no not in first maybe. class i mean like recently like because it was people were getting called out um for that that, that decision because you know obviously air flight planes and flights are trying to these companies are trying to get a lot of money that they lost over this pandemic and so maybe yeah, they want to fit more seats into that exactly plane. i thought they were already kind of doing that Here's uh, the thing. They're implementing a lot of things, right? You go to the airport. You need to stand a certain distance. They have those stickers on the floor. You know where to stand. They have the plexiglass. So you're not talking directly to Yeah, because you flew recently. Yeah. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. Even when you're in the airport, there's a, a the seats are also blocked off in between each other. So when you're just sitting in the airport as well, yet you would think like, okay, you're you're implementing all these things everywhere Wait, else. Wait, they have plexiglass in like when you're not at plexigla- your gate. Uh, n- not plexiglass in between you and other people. Meaning like when you're just sitting, hanging out at the gate, the the seats are um, covered that you can't sit on. There's like a sticker that says, oh, please don't sit here because they're trying to separate you. Okay, okay, okay. If you're that serious about this, then continue the process on the flight. I agree. I I really agree as well. I I just think as we start to open up, like we can't be lenient with how we we navigate. Like there's still a lot of things that we have to do to make sure everyone continues to stay safe. Not even that. Now that I've seen all those videos of the breathing Oh, I know what happens when you're right next to someone. Do I really want, whether there's COVID or not, that stranger's brereath on me in that way? Right? I see your breath every time we're in studio. Sometimes, just something to everywhere. think about. There's plexiglass in between us. 
But, you know, I think, and I wonder how many people are going to want to wear masks after this because I'm kind of, you know, I'm into the masks. There's a lot that spews out from our bodies. I'm okay with some protection. It's kind of interesting. Ever since I've gotten my, and this is like, maybe I shouldn't be saying this over the year, but ever since I got my first um, shot, I've been more lenient with my mask. Like, especially if I'm, like, walking my dog. Well, yeah, I've always done that. If I'm outside and there's no one around me, I will have my mask down. Normally, I mean, I went from two masks to one mask. And, like, even that one mask sometimes be hanging off of my ear. Because I just really want to breathe. Rebel. Yeah, I do. I do feel like I'm kind of, you know, I'm just a little bit more lenient about it now. I feel, like, a little bit more comfortable. But then I still still feel like when I step outside and I don't have it on, I still get those stares. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me turn it. Let me put it back on. It's weird. Yeah, well, let us know what you think. Do you think that middle seat should be gone for good? Hit us up on social media at LGT Show. Coming up on Let's Go There, the Justice Department has reversed Trump guidance that did not protect LGBTQ plus students. The latest news next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we're here to bring you more happiness. And one of the tools is perhaps by having less, getting rid of things. It is spring cleaning right now, so we're going to help you out in 15 minutes. Plus the trend of revenge travel as the world opens up. What that means for you. How to jump on that bandwagon, if you want to. I mean, I could understand, like, jealous traveling. Like, you're just jealous of other people traveling. But FOMO? Yeah, I'm like, what is that? Well, we'll explain in 30 minutes. Okay. Um, let's go there. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Ooh, this is juicy. This happened over the weekend. Former President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign reportedly issued a total of roughly $122 million in refunds to supporters in 2020. This just came out. $120 million in refunds. What happened? How much money? $122 million. $22 million. Okay, I thought you were saying like seven numbers. $122 Uh, This happened because of a fine print disclaimer and communications that officials used to continue charging one-time donors or doubling their contribution efforts or amounts. So basically, you donated and you didn't see your signing off on continuing to donate or they doubled your donation. Talk about, you know, that dark thing we talked about before. It's called dark matter. Dark matter is dark internet. <laughs> dark patterns is what. That's exactly. It. Dark matter. What sci-fi movie were you watching? Uh, it all came out in New York Times investigation published this weekend, and it found that starting in September, with only two months to go before the 2020 presidential election, the Trump campaign allegedly set up weekly recurring donations as the default for online donors. This is so bad. Meanwhile, uh, Trump ripped into the Times for running that story saying in an email statement that the article was a, quote, completely misleading, one-sided attack piece that sought to demean him. He really misses Twitter. You can tell. Yeah, he's like, I have to write a whole email. It's too much work. I mean, it does feel pretty archaic, if you think, if you ask me. Imagine typing an email. Too many ideas in one thing. 
It's like the Flintstones were typing emails. Now, uh, this is good news. The Department of Justice, this just broke, uh, has told federal agencies that gay and transgender students are protected from discrimination under a civil rights law, reversing Trump administration guidance that limited the impact of a landmark Supreme Court decision last year extending employment discrimination protections to LGBT workers. Now, advocates are applauding this move, saying it's a huge moment for civil rights and that the interpretation of sex would extend similar protections in areas like housing, education, and healthcare. So we're definitely going to be talking about that more on tomorrow's show because that is big, good news. And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. Okay, so Carrie Washington has a new documentary on the way, um, and it's actually super sweet. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the first official trailer for In the Sun, it's a documentary executive produced by Carrie Washington. Um, and basically it will premiere on April 27th for streaming and on demand, which is really interesting and nice. Um, it highlights seven families who face the consequences of a living life in the sun. Here is a little bit of that tease. I love being out in the sun. The more sun I absorb, you know, I get that feel good feelings going on. The sun makes us happy. It's also good for us, but if we're not careful, it can harm us. When you're young, you just don't think that it could happen. Sunscreen is sticky and weird and gross. Because I am brown, that means I don't need it. So you do have freckles on your back already. That is all from sun damage. I remember bringing her to the doctor and the doctor saying, it's fine, but I just knew something wasn't right. So this is like going to be really intense because I, I just like that comment that you hear earlier. I feel like there is a myth about, you know, POC, like people of color, black and POC people not having to wear sunscreen. And that's the actual opposite. And yep. so um, I'm really excited that she's partnering with Neutrogena Studio. She is a brand ambassador for them. And so they're coming together. It's the first film of many where they're going to kind of be looking at things from different skin, you know, perspectives. And so I don't know. This is really interesting. Y'all know Carrie Washington never signs her name to something that's not going to be good. So I am excited to actually watch. Yeah, I, I like it. You know, she's very into the wellness space and all of that. So I think she meditated once. I'm liking what she's and- doing. She did a, an IG live <laughs> just- yoga session where she hosted that she did her own everyone was like wow she's like she took one deep breath and she was like she's a guru (laughs) namaste that's your tea report I got more coming up next hour don't y'all go anyway real quick you know, if you haven't, we're a part of Odyssey. Odyssey is a brand new company that's Channel Q is. It's our new home, to be honest. It's where all the audio that matters to you. You can stay connected to Let's Go There. You can stay connected to Channel Q and everything that we're doing on the Odyssey app. So go ahead and go to your app store and download it. A-U-D-A-C-Y. That is Odyssey. I feel like this music makes you feel like going to the beach and getting a cocktail. Anyway. I mean, the song is called Hawaii. I knew it. As as, uh, spring cleaning is underway, why having less makes us happier. We got some tips for you on how to get there next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Clearing out your space can be hard. What do you let go of? What do you hold on to? How much are your things bringing you happiness versus more stress? 
These are questions I also ask myself. So I'm so excited to have our latest uh, guest on for this today. Peter Walsh, who's a professional organizer, author, speaker, TV host, wrote this book, Let It Go, Downsizing Your Way to a Richer, Happier Life. Thanks so much for being here. Wow, that was such a dramatic introduction. I'm all excited. (laughs) Welcome to my world. (laughs) I love it. Drama, drama, drama. Listen, I just escaped from Southern California for a few months, and now I feel like I'm right back into it. Welcome to the show. Hello. That's how it works. Well, it's so funny because I actually didn't know you were going to be on, like, earlier when I posted my Instagram post, which was all about this, about, you know, when you simplify and... People look at it as downgrading your life, but I look at it as really upgrading. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, guys. I, um, I wrote the book after my mum passed away a few years ago. And at the time, we were just looking at kind of down, you know, uh, kind of downsizing her home and, and really looking at letting go of a lot of stuff that the family had owned. And uh, I've been doing this for over 20 years now, helping people to kind of downsize and and letting go of stuff, decluttering and organizing their lives. And, and the book and my work is all about kind of really right-sizing your life mm-hmm. and making sure that the things you own help you create the life you want. And I think that's really what it's all about. You know, do the things you own really give you the kind of life you want? Because for many of us, we just surround ourselves with stuff and then at some stage look around and think, holy hell, how did I end up surrounded by all of this crap? First of all, stop talking about me because I love stuff. Um, no, I think what's really interesting is, and I've always, is for me, my, my, my thing is clothes. So I will keep clothes till the end of time because one, they have memories attached to them. And I think often uh, times it can be very difficult given, getting away these things, regardless of if it's clothes or anything else, because there's memories attached to it. So how can you conquer, um, there's two types of clutter. I, I know that, you know, you like to talk about, can you break that down? Yeah. But, but for, for me, I honestly, and, and I, I don't have a problem with holding on to clothes if they have great memories for you. But I honestly think, and over time, I've come to believe that you should only have three kinds of clothes in your closet. Wait, what? You should have clo- yeah, clothes that you love, uh-huh. clothes that you look great in, okay. and clothes that when you step out into the world, people look at you and say, Wow, you look great in those. What if that's because just like every day for clothes. me? All his clothes. That's like well, literally that's all great. my clothes. <laughs> well, then that's great. But that's great. But if, if they meet those, those criteria and if your clothes fit in your closet, because if you aren't treating your clothes with respect, if they're all over the floor, if they're covered in dust, if you're not treating them with respect, then I would say you need to pare down your clothes until they fit reasonably in your space. Otherwise, you and your clothes don't have a good relationship. Wow. Yeah, I guess I don't have a good relationship with my clothes. I mean, I don't use a lot of my clothes. But so I guess what's the approach to throwing things out and how do you get through that, like the attachment and maybe, um, you know, looking differently at those things? Maybe they don't serve you anymore. My, my attitude to the things you own is the same attitude to a relationship. And if you're in a relationship and the person you're in the relationship you're in doesn't honor and respect you, 
you can never be happy in that relationship. We've all been in that situation. And it's the same with your home. It's the same with your space. It's the same with your stuff. That if you overcrowd your space, if you have stuff that's just treated disrespectfully, if your stuff is not stored properly, is not displayed properly, then you can never be happy in a space with your stuff. Is your and home so clean? <laughs> like, is your no, home, yes. like, super, like, organized? Are you Marie Kondo? Yeah. No, like, are you, like, super no, intense? No. I would rather cut my throat than have my home <laughs> super organized and super crazy. No. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Yeah. But I'm also not the guy. I'm not the guy who goes out buying stuff thinking that if I just buy the next thing, I'll be happy, which is what the world tells us. If you just buy the next thing, you'll be really happy. I'm not the guy who buys that, who, who, who buys into that crazy idea. Wow. You know, does the stuff you own help you create the life you want? So it's not about the stuff you buy. I don't start there. I start with what kind of life do I want? Number one, I want to have... Like you, Shira, I want to have great weekend brunches. I love Bloody Mary. Mm, so oh so that's where I start. You know, that's, that's what I want. I want. I want happiness and warmth and friendships. So that's where I start with the kind of life I want. Yes. So, so, so that's, that's the highest criteria for the life I want. So the, the things I want around me are not a whole lot of stuff, but a whole lot of great friends. I, so, I, so I, how much does your stuff control you, right? Or versus you controlling it. it? Or like, yeah, I spend it on experiences versus things. Totally on the same page. <laughs> Peter so, Walsh. See, see, what? So, so that's exactly. It. Or you uh-huh. know, I love all. I love all things Beyonce. Maybe. Oh, one of, okay, one now of I'm in it. <laughs> now I'm in it. You were losing me towards the end, but now I'm in it. <laughs> okay, so one. So one of the it's like you stalked us, us before. You I think he kind of did. Okay, so, so maybe one <laughs> right, of the no, three of us love all things Beyonce. Not that I'm saying I know who that might be, but if one of us, if one of us loves all things Beyonce, then you're not going. You might look at that person and think, "Wow, she has an incredible dress sense and buys high quality." Might be expensive, but single item, high quality item. Right. So I'm going to model what I buy on that. I'm not going to buy a whole lot of cheap, crappy items, but I'm going to buy single high quality items, and that will be what marks my clothing choices. Well, Peter Walsh, so, we, we, we need to wrap up because we're out of time, so but we good. would love to have you back on as we continue to talk about the cleaning of our space for the spring cleaning. You are great. And again, Peter Walsh is the author of Let It Go, Downsizing Your Way to a Richer, Happier Life. Thanks again for joining us and for your research. I lo- <laughs> love you guys. I knew as soon as I mentioned Beyonce, I'd have you hooked in. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you did. And you Bloody did Mary is for me. Hey, I know. You got yeah. both of us. Talk to you soon. <laughs> uh, coming up on the show, what is revenge travel and how it's looking to be all the rage over the next few years? Will you jump on board? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's a hot new term being used and it's called revenge travel. What does it mean and are you going to be jumping on the bandwagon? Well, Dr. Alan File is with us, who's an associate dean of Orlando's UCF Rosen College of Hospitality Management. 
So if you're into the uh, hospitality industry, that's a place for you. Uh, Dr. Allen, thanks for being here. Thank you. Pleasure. So what does revenge travel mean? Seems very angry. (laughs) Do you know it's not angry at all? It really is a reflection of our impatience to get back to some sense of normality. That, that's what it's about. It's an urgency just to get back and really enjoy life again after what has been a difficult year. So what are you predicting? You know, obviously we know once everything kind of returns back, people are going to want to really up their travel game. But do you think it's really going to reflect in like, you know what, like next year where there's going to be an intense amount of people traveling? Yeah, I, I think it varies. I think for a lot of people, what, what the early signs are that everyone, a lot of the market will be trading up. They've got their miles, they've got their vouchers that they've been sitting on for the past year. And certainly in Florida recently with the spring break and, and what have you, it's been the expensive hotels, the expensive attractions. It, it, it's it, it, People are sitting on a a real supply of, uh, as I say, points or whatever at the moment. And it's a real desire to return. But let, let's let's really make the most of it. Let's re- really almost get a little bit over the top. And I think this is where the term revenge comes in. A real desire to go back and make the most of it and have a have a real sort of a really positive start to the, the return to normality. Yeah, obviously the tourism industry and hospitality industry lost a lot of money over the past two years, really, or year and a half, what do you think is going to happen next? Do you think that there's going to be a boom? I think there will be. I, I think it's probably a little bit over-exaggerated to begin with. I think a lot of the market is still very cautious. Um, but I think numbers will come back relatively quickly. The profitability will take a long time to come back. So you know, there's two different sides to this. But I think, you know, what we're seeing already is the coastlines, the national parks, the state parks, et cetera. Anywhere that is outside where there's a little bit of space, they're going to be very, very, very popular. Very popular this summer. You know, I mean, to be honest, I feel like when I want to go on a vacation, it's like to get away from everyone. But now if everyone's vacationing at the same time, how annoying is that going to be? It's going to be so many people. It's going to be so many people. Yeah, it's going to be hard avoiding people this summer because everyone's wanting to do the same. I I think, to be fair, where it's going to be quite evenly spread out is where people uh, are just itching to go and see family and friends again. So even if your friends live in a somewhat undesirable location, if you haven't seen them for a year or two, you want to go and see them. So there's going to be a lot of people just on the move just to reconnect again. I've not seen my mother for two years. I'm desperate get on a flight yep that's me uh, the first the when canada opens up i'm gonna be jumping on that first flight uh you work in hospitality management i actually want to know as we wrap things up like how the industry is changing in reaction like my hope is that they learn things and they're doing new stuff to innovate versus just doing the same thing yeah i, I think there's been some really really good examples actually the um i think the, the two big things that you've seen cleanliness safety. Um, I know companies like Hilton and Delta have, have, have been excellent. Delta have just announced uh, last week they're soon to give up the middle seat. They've kept that middle seat clear for oh, a long time. Last week they uh, they actually ended up uh, cancelling that. But yeah, we just reported about that. But yeah, I hear you. I hear their efforts. Okay. 
Wonderful. So, so the, the the safety of the cleanliness is a big thing, but I think the really, really big thing is the use of technology. Um, touchless hospitality is, is, is now the, the, the new term. So, so many more technological advances, apps and what have you. They were coming anyway, but the whole process has just been expedited. So your cell phone will just do even more and more uh, in the future. So touchless hospitality, really, really important. And they're very much along the smart agenda, really. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, go, go go enjoy your revenge travel. Oh, thank you. I will. Gonna... When you say it like that. <laughs> Coming okay, up. Thank you. Um, and thank you. That was Dr. Alan File, Associate Dean of Orlando's UCF Rosen College of Hospitality Management. Coming up on the show, uh, this person complained about their partner's post-sex demand. Is the request too crazy? Stick around to find out next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We love to go into the advice archives. You know, those questions asking things to ask experts. Well, this one caught our attention. Are we the experts now? Yes. Okay, let's do this. (laughs) Dreams come true. So excited. Uh, the title is the headline, My Girlfriend Has the Most Annoying Post-Sex Demand. Well, we said to ourselves, well, this I'm is out. intriguing. I'm not an expert in that. <laughs> Just think about it. A partner has uh, an, uh, an annoying post-sex demand. So this person says... I have a girlfriend. Three years is amazing. The total package. She has this one habit that really grates me. Okay. Anytime she does something, whether it's cook dinner, show me a presentation, uh, she gets annoyed when I don't follow up my compliment with a constructive criticism. So I'm always having to say, having to say dinner was great, but the potatoes were a little bland. Well, this is moving into their sex life. Every time we have sex, it has to be followed by my critiques of her performance. <laughs> And she's great in bed, but now she's she like really getting annoyed. Like she has, if, if, listen, if this guy doesn't criticize her afterwards, she has a panic attack. Girl. I mean, at that point. I'm not going to lie to you. This is giving fire sign energy. <laughs> That's your this astrological is, this is expertise. fire sign energy, possibly a Leo, and I'm a Leo. But it's this idea of wanting to, one, just make sure your partner is completely satisfied, but then also kind of feeling good about yourself and your own performance of doing whatever said thing you're doing. So cooking dinner. Did I do good? What could I have done better so I can, you know, be better the next time, right? Of it's always course. this concept evolving. But to know that it's happening during sex or after sex, even though for me, I do sometimes ask like, oh, like, what well, you know, how was it? No, I don't think there's nothing wrong that with asking. It's good to have that communication. The difference is if if you're not getting what you want, getting angry at that person for not giving you, like your happiness is relying on that person giving you that. You can't control someone like that. Yeah, I mean, for her to go into the panic attack mode, I would just say she needs to go to therapy it's a bit of a trigger. immediately. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't mind that she uh, wants to, I don't know, that she wants to know kind of how her performance is and then also how to be better. Here's the thing. I don't mind it. If you're having an open conversation, of course, if it elevates you and brings you joy, that conversation, amazing. If- what if you find something out that's really good constructive criticism that you'll be like, oh, wow, I had no clue that I made this ugly face or Here my mom remi- sounds This is awful. what it reminds me of, and you'll understand this. Why would I the, understand Because it? it's something that I do here at the show. Oh, okay. Because okay. how many times I say, 
Did I do okay? Tell me, did I do okay? What else would you say oh, about what true. I do? It's so annoying. It's annoying. It's so annoying. And then it makes it feel like I need validation for everything I do. And if yeah. I don't get it, I can't function. And especially if you're, it's your partner, you start to lose the sex. Like, you're like, am I? You start to lose attraction to that person because they're not They're in confident. my head. They're yeah. not also yeah. present yeah. and just enjoying it. I feel that. I feel that. There you go. That was a comparison. That's a good comparison. Wow, that was really good. I hey, do. That's what I agree for. with that. You are just like her. So, <laughs> so dear, uh, dear uh, person who, what's his name? Critical in Carolina, we wish you the best. I say go to couples therapy or tell you. Or she your, just needs to go to therapy by herself. I don't think there or, needs to yes, be couples therapy. She's yet. already doing that. So obviously tell oh, her to get a better is? therapist. Oh, God. Well, the work is constant. Trust exactly. me. Exactly. It's, it's an onion. It's layered. Ew, not an onion. <laughs> Ew. It's good for your body. Okay, uh, let us know what you would do if you were in that situation at LGT Show. We'd love to hear from you. Coming up on the show, the UK is speaking out about vaccine passports for international travel, what the Prime Minister shared today. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Back to the show. And uh, coming up this hour, why Republican leaders are trying to ban vaccine passports. What does the future hold in terms of this in this uh, country and how PPE is making Earth's plastic pollution problem even worse than what we can all do about it. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, Speaking of vaccine passports, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is speaking out about it, saying they will most likely be used to resume international travel and mass events. The idea of vaccination status being useful for international travel uh, is, is something that all countries are looking at. I do think that's going to be part of our uh, of, of the way people deal with it. We need to think about that. But uh, there are basically three ingredients to uh, your, your COVID certification, or three ways that you can give reassurance to uh, to others if you go to to a, a big mass event. And uh, or, or, or uh, ways you can that people can be assured that the people in the room uh, don't uh, have the risk of spreading COVID. But I think. Okay, Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister. He still uh, hasn't showered, by the way. I heard reports that he still hasn't showered. Uh, but yeah, that this shows the approach that's happening internationally, while the Biden administration hasn't come out to say that they will implement that. It seems like this is something that will be pushed for in other countries, uh, which uh, that will be interesting to see how people react to that. Just saying. Now, Americans hit hard by the pandemic will see relief when it comes to food insecurity. The federal food assistance policy from President Biden's American Rescue Plan announced they will help as many as 25 million Americans who, quote, may not always have access to nutritious food. The plan will provide families with access to the pandemic EBT program so they can purchase healthy food more easily during the pandemic. Uh, The program will be available for the duration of the health emergency, including during the summer. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, I got some TV news, which I love to end the T Report, the last one of the show, um, with some TV news because this one is good. So, going to Bravo, let's talk about it. It's time for your T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. We all know the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is in the headlines because of Jen Shaw, the housewife who may be facing prison. But her Real Housewives of Salt Lake City drama is not going anywhere anytime soon. So I guess the powers that at B at Bravo 
have decided, yeah, um, you know, she's going through all these federal fraud charges and money laundering charges. Uh, she's basically pleaded not guilty and, and also is still not even really caring about the situation. We're going to continue to film it. We're going to film it the entire time. They've announced that we're going to continue to film Jen Shaw's legal drama after her fraud arrest. Um, an insider said Bravo knows full well that viewers are following every detail of this case and will continue to do so as it progresses. So producers plan to follow it just as closely and use whatever footage they legally can. Um, Shy Jen is out on a million dollar bond and presumably free to be on the show, which Bravo executive sees as a chance for big ratings. And they don't obviously want to squander that. Um, also, um, and what's his name? Andy. Andy Cohen. Yes. Andy, he broke his silence on the whole thing, by the way. Oh. Um, he talked on his show, Radio Andy. Um, he was like, oi vey. Um, basically, he said that he really hopes he's going to wait to kind of see how it plays out. He says, I have nothing to add to what we already know, other than I certainly hope and pray that none of it is true. Um, this whole thing is a mess. Honestly, I felt like this is uh, an early Christmas present to me because I'm happy that they are filming it and we're going to see every last detail as long as the court's cleared. A lot of drama. Yeah, most definitely. You really gotta get into the housewives. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. It's I don't good like TV. watching things that like have drama. It gives me anxiety. The same. What? <laughs> the same thing. Actually, my boyfriend. I actually am better than my boyfriend. There are shows, like scripted shows I could watch, yeah. and he's like, it, he ha- can't watch murder or anything like that. He gets very anxious. Yeah, I feel that way. I feel it. You know, I think I can get very anxious when it comes to, like, really high-intensity stuff, but I feel like Housewives is just good old, good, juicy, like, just drama that doesn't feel like you got to think too much doesn't about. Doesn't feel real. Well, it is real. It's someone's life. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move out of the T-Report. If you want to know any of the stories that I have covered today, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. Of course, keep the conversation going at LGT Show. Um, But real quick, Shira, have you heard of Odyssey? Uh, Yes, I have. Tell me more. Oh, my God. She can never just do it. No, I haven't. Tell me more. (laughs) Maybe I have. Tell me more. Well, Odyssey... <laughs> She's like, <laughs> Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app today to listen to Channel Q. Let's go there, of course. Radio.com is now Odyssey. Um, and literally, you can download it for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that move you. Um, and honestly, it feels like it might be the best thing to add into your life. Just tell your friends. Tell your, your, your sister. Tell your brother. Tell anyone in your life that will listen to you about Odyssey because um, you'll be doing us a favor. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, that's it. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And this one goes to a friend of the show. He's been on before. And guess what? He made his debut hosting on Ellen. Killing Allen. Hello, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Look at all your sweet, beautiful faces. Oh. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kaylin Allen. <laughs> Not to be confused with Steve Harvey, Montel Williams, or RuPaul. I know the, the, the bald head can be a little confusing. And for those of you that do know me, hey, y'all. So I work here at Ellen, and I've been a guest before, but this is my first time guest hosting. I know, right? How far we have come. I mean, I, I've hosted a Beyonce lookalike contest, you know, and I've hosted drag bingo at Hamburger Mary's, but never the Ellen DeGeneres show, darling. We're moving up. <laughs>
Oh my God. I mean, when I tell you I am so proud of Kaylin, and this was his first monologue as, I mean, his first appearance as a daytime television host. I mean, he even said it. Like, the most he's hosted, he hosts his own videos. Yes, yes, Actually, yes. he is a host on a show. Is it on Discovery Plus? Yes, 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 it is. It's like a food show, I believe. But Cute. I, I can't remember what it is. Exactly. But this is a pretty big it's leap. It's a huge leap in front of an Ellen audience. Like, you are being, you're black, you're queer and you are literally in the homes of people during daytime talk. That is a huge moment, and I'm so, one, happy that Ellen, um, like, signed off on something like that. Mm -hmm. I know she kind of needs the PR, but Kalen really does deserve it. Like, Kalen deserves this because he's worked so, so hard for it. And I really feel like this shows a new crop of talent and voices coming out, and it gives me hope as to what we're going to see on TV and in the media in the future. You're talking about me? Yep. You. It's all you. I just say to Ryan, you know, whenever you get hired for something, I'm like, don't forget. Don't forget your uh, your friend Shira. (laughs) I would never forget you. But yes, there'll be more black queer voices everywhere. Shira. Announcement. I'm not black. (laughs) Breaking news. So congrats again. This is not about us. This is about it's not, it's about we still don't need it about both of us. Well, actually, it was more about you. But Kalen yeah. Allen, very proud of him. Uh, check out the clip he posted on Instagram and, of course, on Ellen.com. It Everything was there. so good. And, oh, my God, the lineup that he had on today's show. Angelica Ross made an appearance. Kelly Rowland made an appearance. What and I think show. one of his old teachers, one of his old professors from his um, from his college came and, just came and got interviewed. So you know what's so weird? Cool is like as as you get older and you're more in this industry like your degree separated from everything and everyone mm-hmm. I mean I interned at Ellen but now seeing friends that are just like oh our friends yeah. are having these jobs and I just think that's so cool no I, I love it it's absolutely amazing and I was like we have we can't give the S queen to anyone else today except for Caitlin Allen and of course all our friends and family in the transgender community oh yes oh my god of course this day is dedicated to them and that does it for our show and our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. On tomorrow's show, of course, we bring you what's trending this hour, every hour. Uh, also, we're going to be getting into this class action lawsuit filed by LGBTQ students against the Department of Education. Mm, yeah. Yeah, what, what's that all about? I'm excited to find out more about that. Yes, that's happening tomorrow. Uh, plus, if you miss any of our shows or our interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So you can listen to the Let's Go There podcast on the Odyssey app. Just download it or uh, radio.com has become Odyssey. So mm-hmm. it's that easy. Mm-hmm. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris. He's covering horrible first dates. That should be entertaining. Ooh. Bye, y'all.